Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with better help. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum, this is The Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? We are doing fantastic. How are you doing? You look great. Oh, well, thanks. That's a great compliment for nine in the morning after a, a late night of performing as a certain favorite skeleton character from a Tim Burton movie. But uh, no, it's good. It's good. Here we are, you know, July. Uh just, you know, all these big movies have been coming out. You know, just recently we got to see Thor and then uh, yeah, Bullet Train, all these great movies. You know, I mean, I do love that summer blockbuster season. And, you know, it's an interesting time, too. And it's like the summer. It's like you really go out in the heat. You know, here in California, it can get 
quite hot certain Some days. But filming, having a blast. So many movies, they win too fast. There. How's it going over there, though, in uh, good old PA? It's good. It's good. I've been traveling a lot for work, but it's kind of nice ramping up, uh, coming up here in a few weeks. Going to do a big family vacay down to Florida. So I'm excited about that. A lot of uh, exciting things happening. Um, just trying to, you know, beat the heat. We got a little pool in our neighborhood, so it's been nice to kind of cool off. And uh, I just found a new drink. I'm is a new favorite cocktail I made. It's called Gin Lemon Sevens. Uh, that's like my new thing. So I feel like a real sophisticated. Sounds you know, like you should have that with the sarsaparilla. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Gin Sevens. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's one way to beat the heat though there's definitely one way to beat the heat with these movies i'll tell you one thing is seeing them inside well yeah it's you know stay inside uh you you can't really make the claim that there's nothing to watch on the tv anymore no you cannot because there's so much content there's content every damn week so much yeah. so many tv shows so many movies going on so many streaming sites and it got us thinking taylor one thing we haven't had to do, we haven't done a topic episode in a little while of a, a topic that really is kind of our bread and butter when it comes to what we review on the show, what we watch a lot on the show. You know, we we love to go to the theater to see movies. That is the best way to experience movies for the first time. But we just got through the pandemic, which is still technically going on. And so much was right in our home to watch entertainment. It's so much easier when you can just sit down and look on your phone or, you know, on TV and to think about streaming, it hasn't been around that long. It's it, it think it feel like it's been forever, but it really since we've since we've been like I would say early teens, teenagers, I think streaming really. Yeah. So we thought, you know what, today let's talk about the world of streaming and really the streaming wars because we have so many companies that are uh, vibing for your dollar bills and for your you know attention on their content. But we're not going to do it alone. We have a special guest with us today, and this is very exciting because this is the first time that we've had a family member come on the podcast. We've been trying for months, and they say, no, yeah. I don't even listen to your podcast. You have a podcast? No. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's mostly true. Most of the family are like, oh, that's right. You do that podcast. Um, that's fine. But no, we uh, <laughs> do have a, a my brother, Tim Dewar, who is the director of content finance on Disney Plus. That's right, folks. He works for one of the, the big streaming sites, is here. Welcome, Tim. How you doing, bro? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, we love that. <laughs> and I, I love it. The first time we didn't have to pay our guests to say that. So this is really... Yes. This is real. It's coming from the, from the doer's mouth. So I appreciate that. And it's first time it I'm meeting Tim virtually. And eventually I get to meet you in person. So I'm pretty yeah. pretty jazzed about this. He's talked about his brothers. I've never seen them. I've seen pictures. But it could have been anyone. He just tagged someone on Facebook. Yeah, I am real. And just to be clear, I did ask for payment. I got rejected from you guys. But I'm here anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not, much of a, not much of a budget here. Um, Tim's like, this is like a continued trend with my brother. Yeah, no, um, no budget podcast. That's what it is. Um, I had, yeah, I had no to budget pay him to be here. Yeah, I had to pay him. That's right. It's an honor, and you, sh I will enjoy that lunch later. Um, no, but welcome, welcome, Tim. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you know, this is something that you know, always been uh, quite proud of you for the work you've done. Tim has actually been working now for the Disney Company for what? 13 12 years. years. 12 years? It's actually 12 years this month. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Congrats. Happy 12 years. Thank you. 
Um, and of course, during that time, you know, you you worked through the parks, and then you started to work at the actual, uh, you know, film company over in Buena Vista. But then it was like, oh, now we have this streaming service coming out, Disney Plus, and you eventually were picked up to work with that, which has been uh, very exciting because uh, Disney Plus has been, I mean, let's say quite the success so far with uh, all the content that's had on there. But before we kind of go into what is our current world of streaming, let's kind of go back for a second here. What, when it comes to streaming, the first thing I ever remember about streaming was Netflix was kind of the daddy of it all kind of started this whole thing but it wasn't streaming then it was you it was the new version of blockbuster we're all kids that grew up with blockbuster and hollywood video and i can still smell blockbuster if i hear it i I know the smell kids today that are listening to this do not remember blockbuster you would actually have to go to a store and you'd rent even older days it was vhs or dvds and you could take them to your humble abode for like five days or 10 days or however money you want. And then you'd pay for it and bring it back. And that was all you had. You had, you, you'd rent as many as you could. And that was the first days of really what was the idea of taking content home. If you didn't buy it full sale DVD or VHS price. And Netflix was the first company to be like, let's take that idea, but you pay a monthly fee and then you could just have DVD sent to you in the mail. Um, did I know that we never did that, Tim? We were not part of that club. Did you do that at all, Taylor, with your family? I didn't do it with my my immediate family, but I know my grandparents, um, who we've uh, you know enjoyed the spoils of of their uh, humble abode in Annapolis. But uh, I remember them all the time. Like I remember looking at it. It was kind of cool because you had that little. It was in a little paper, and it had a little description. So that was kind of cool because you could rent so many a month with that fee. So I do have early memories of watching a couple through that. And I remember like thinking, I don't know why the voice of Christopher Watt came like, wow, you can get these DVDs and they just keep giving you more. So it was kind of cool. The fact that the convenience, you could get them anytime. You didn't have to leave your home. So that precursor of home media and not having to leave was, was pretty cool. But yeah, I do remember my grandparents doing that a lot. I know that there are still some people today that are grandfathered into that and still have the DVD version of Netflix. That's crazy. But uh, eventually that will, yeah, form into what is Netflix early days, which still has kind of reigned as like one of the top premier streaming sites. I can't even remember the first time I used Netflix. I mean, it feels like now this is all so second nature, but do you have any early memories, Tim, of maybe the first time you used Netflix or is there a streaming site that used the first? Really, I remember like it was like Netflix Amazon Prime Video and Hulu were like the first three to kind of start the trend of uh, streaming sites. I I remember very distinctly, actually. It was, uh, I want to say I was in college, either junior or senior year of college. And I remember it was summer and I got Netflix and I binged The Office. I never watched The Office, but I had friends that were telling me about it. And just all the seasons that were available, I watched it and I ate it up. And I was like, what is this thing that I can sit here for countless days straight just watching something? Uh, That kind of blew my mind. I think that was like the biggest shift. At that moment in time, I was like, okay, this is a thing. Yeah. And you could do it without ads. That's right. I think a lot of us, when we watch shows you know, we, kind of going through the era of the DVR, the TiVo, where you could record 
shows on TV, you still have the commercials. Yeah, you could fast forward, but you still have to press the button every five minutes to you know fast forward. Now we're doing all this without any ads. And you could even skip the intro as much as that intro jam is a jam. You know, the intro, the credits, the next episode would roll right. It would kiss go in the, all that ease where you just, just give me the content. I don't want all this extra uh, notions on the side. And you bring up a good point, Tim, that that has actually continued to be a trend of why some people stick with streaming sites is for certain shows, even if they're shows that have long been done for several years. Uh, the Office being a notable one that was on Netflix for a long time. It's now on Peacock. But there was, I think, a time where, yeah, The Office was still like the number one watch show on Netflix uh, and Friends. It was like those two were the top watch shows up through like the pandemic until Peacock uh, took them back. It was like crazy that people were still tuning in with all the new movies and TV shows that Netflix has had to offer. That was number one. And I mean, I was definitely part of that camp. I was watching The Office quite a lot as well. But yeah, that that trend of now we can just watch what we want and don't have to wait for commercials. And even the, oh, I have to go now to work, whatever. The show will just pause where I left off and all that. Like this is the ease of what streaming could be. It was going to open a lot of doors. But also how do we... I think it was interesting to see what companies got which movies. You know, it, there was a catalog of, of oh, they have these old movies, these classics, these fantasy, these comedies. I think, Tim, you might be able to speak a little bit towards how do certain companies get rights to certain catalog of movies and stuff that are not like new, new movies. Because some would share movies, you know, even to this day, you might see the same movie on Netflix and Prime, but maybe some are like definitely like only on that streaming site is there a is there a bidding war for certain content when it comes to that or is oh, it kind of uh, yes i would imagine right yes yeah. yes <laughs> so i think i think there's a it's sort of like an interesting dynamic in the market now where it's you look at these studios especially the ones that have been around for a long time like disney um that have so much content in their library so what they can do is they can sort of take those titles out and either decide to keep them exclusively on their streaming service because they believe that drives a lot of value for their either signups or people are less likely to leave. I mean, that's sort of speaks exactly to the, the office and parks and rec going back to the parent company Comcast that owns Peacock. Uh, they just think it's way more valuable for them to just have it themselves, which it probably is. But then you can imagine there's other library that, you know, they want it on the service, their their own service, that so they want to keep it to themselves, but maybe they're willing to sort of defray some of their costs. So they'll be willing to license to somebody else um, and basically have it for cheaper or offset some of their own costs for keeping it um, and make a little bit of money on the side. Or the third option is they don't think it's valuable at all. And they're just going to go try to see how much people will spend on it. And so they'll they'll go out and bid for it. And when you're what and there's i mean there's so much to talk about in this space but uh when you're like a netflix and now you have all these people entering the market competing with you and they were the ones that actually owned the content in the first place netflix doesn't has done a lot of originals but a lot you know they don't have a library they didn't exist for that long so you could kind of get a lot of money out of them and then now as all these players join the market they're just waiting for those licenses to end for the important stuff 
and they bring it back to their own service. So Disney did it with all the big theatrical movies. We had to deal with them. And then once that deal ended, we had Disney Plus stood up. And then like we were just saying with Peacock, with The Office and Parks and Rec, they took it off. Friends went back from, from Netflix to, um, to Warner Media. So it just sort of like a continuous trend of them losing content. Um, because now instead of the studios licensing it to them, they're just keeping it for themselves because it's worth more to them. But you, um, you bring up a great thing that when Netflix and all these streaming sites started popping up, there was, it was mostly just stuff that was already created. There was no original content. And then you have these sites like now we're going to have exclusive stuff just for us. I mean, Netflix, are, uh, Netflix, you know, production, all these. And there is interesting to see starting with shows, but then now we're seeing more films and more, um, you know, original like in these. And this is because obviously because of the pandemic, it's like, well, do we want to put it on the streaming site or do we want to like try to get more of a box office or we do it simultaneously? And I think that was very interesting what, what Disney Plus did for a lot of these films was doing this fee like, hey, you know, we're going to do it uh, on the streaming site and you could pay this fee and then you could watch it for X number of how many people you wanted to like. And that was a cool little technique like people, OK, if you want to see this film, you're going to spend the $30. So it's interesting, mm -hmm. kind of, can you talk a little bit more about like kind of when going through Yeah, that? there were, the, the pandemic presented, I would say, a pretty interesting opportunity to evaluate different options for distributing content. Um, if you, if you knew you were going to, you were putting out something that was pretty premium and normally you'd put out in the theaters um, and, and families, if they went, would spend a lot of money. They went to theaters to watch that movie the sort of idea of what I think it was called premier access, um, which Disney isn't really doing now because obviously theaters sort of come back in a big way, as you guys very well know. Um, but what the sort of the assumption there was, well, we know a, a big chunk of our subscribers are families. So let's put a price tag that we think just to test. So just this exclusive window at the beginning, almost like replicating the theatrical window but doing it at home because we can't really put the movie in theaters or not very many people would go um, to begin with because of the pandemic. So it's like, let's charge a premium. But then after that, that period, we would just have it for free, like normal, like all of our other stuff for free in quotes, of course, free with your normal subscription, yeah, your so, normal subscription, which people yeah. were very, very confused about at first. They were like, why do I have to pay 30 bucks on top of, and it's like, because this is an exclusive movie that's coming out. It would have made money in the theaters if it could. And, you know, we were definitely one of the families when I was staying with my family at the time. We were definitely got quite a few of those because they're like, hey, that you like the idea you said is like, well, we could. Some of them were in theaters, but I'm like, OK, this is only here. Normally, we'd spend an arm and a leg. We spend triple the amount. Let's just do this now. We can have our own snacks. We can pause it. We can go to the bathroom break because that's the one thing about movies is you can't pause it. So like. All right, no, you go up. I don't want to miss this part. Or you go back and see it again. So I think that was um, definitely an interesting thing. But, you know, I, I like the idea of the premier access. They were doing um, like a like bonus content or something like that, a little behind the scenes that came with it, which is kind of unique. But um, um, that was the thing about Disney Plus, too, is it was in its infancy right when the pandemic started. So they were like, oh, they had to really and they've had to really innovate quite a bit in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think other other things that sort of played into those decisions, right, is you 
there was a lot of stuff that happened with COVID shutting down productions, delaying productions and stuff like that. But there were a number of movies that were, or series that were done or in the can or they were working in post and they weren't finished with them. So there was this other implication of, well, if you if you keep just waiting for theaters to reopen, not knowing when they'd reopen, you're what are you going to do with the are you just going to sit there and not release anything for like two years? Like you should you should just do something and try to try to monetize it at the end of the day. But I I do actually think there's a lot of uh, I, I do think some of the criticism that it got was fair. I think like I think uh, sometimes we think too much internally at Disney or at these corporations like. Well, if they just think about it this way, where it's like the consumer isn't doing this as a nine to five job every single day and or knows like knows the industry sort of as well as we do or as big of fans of it. So to them, they're like, I pay I pay for a subscription to watch what's on this thing. Uh, so you have to be very, very careful with how it's marketed. Like you have to make it extremely clear to them that it's some premium thing but and some, that but some it's not normal, still, all that, still right? Doing that, like Amazon still has that. You pay for uh, you know, Amazon Prime, but then you're still like, oh, you have to rent this. I'm like, why well, am I gonna rent this? Oh, that 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 drives that drives me and my family like up the wall because like <laughs> Griffin, our son, will be going through and like that just because they intermingle stuff. That's they're still a distributor of other people's content. I guess that's where it gets tricky. Right, as as so much of where this the industry shifted from was Netflix was just a distributor, like they and what they happened is they saw a lot of success with distribution, um, and so then a lot of the studios started following suit. But Amazon Amazon is still a bit of both, and the same thing with uh, with Apple, like they're just still distributing other people's content in addition to their own stuff. So it actually is quite annoying in that case when you do run against something that's like not theirs they're, they're doing um, too just much a little too much, yeah. the little tag is not enough it's it pisses me off for sure <laughs> or like uh hulu like you can have hulu but then you could have hulu connected to a stars connection or showtime oh, yeah. so if you don't want to get but now it's like every single every single channel you can pretty much get if you still have satellite or dish or whatever has their own streaming site on, you know, we have a lot of smart TVs too. That's the other thing now, big, big game changers. You have TVs that have these apps on there. So if you miss an episode and you have dish or, or satellite or direct TV or what, what say you, you now can sign in on that app and then watch that episode. You, know, you might still have to watch ads. Yeah. That's huge. Like Peacock, for example, like I know they like America's got talent going on right now. Oh, it's every Tuesday it's on, but you can catch it Wednesday the next day or Saturday Night Live episodes, which is kind of cool. And that's one of those interesting sites where you can get it for free and watch a lot of stuff free, or you pay like two levels of premium to get all of it. So it was like, okay, this two is levels. Cool. It's like ooh, premium double, and uh, premium plus. I know, and then premium double plus. You know, like all these different ones. So it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And the fact that you can actually—that was very. I'm a big fan of that because you can actually watch live program as well um which i think is is a total game changer and that's disney plus is also jumping into that space we Ooh. uh we just did a, a live special i think it was our first one it's called harmonious um it was basically a live recording of the, the same name harmonious show from epcot in florida where they specifically streamed it live at the time that they were recording it and then they like added the replay onto the service and then i think it was announced uh, a couple months ago that dancing with the stars is shifting from abc to disney plus and will be a disney plus original 
So that will be live. Um, so it won't be something that's like pre-recorded and then goes up on the service. It'll be just like broadcasting it like ABC does, but through the streaming service. So I think there's this natural shift that you're going to see everywhere within streaming that everyone's going to have more live offering. It's almost just like streaming is going to replace legacy TV. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the trend, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think a lot of people now, the trend is, do I give up, you know, the legacy TV, satellite TV, cable? Because for some people, they, they, they're stuck in their ways. Are they just something about like there's certain channels that don't quite have that programming on a streaming site? But it's so much, so much of everything. Like, you know, if you want sports, you have every single sport available via streaming. There's so much better shows, honestly, on streaming sites. And a lot of the shows that are, oh, these are the, you know, Law and Order, CBS, all that stuff, that's available on one of the streaming sites. It's like everything is now available somewhere. So I do think, yeah, eventually we're going to see a, a, a goodbye to that day and age uh, and just have these streaming sites, which brings up a good question about, nowadays what i think some people struggle with is and some companies are now starting to jump on this as well is you're like well now i went from paying one fee for like 120 channels now i'm paying 10 separate fees for 10 different streaming sites which means i have a lot of content to watch but now my bill is almost as much if not more but the ability to share passwords you know some streaming sites allow you to have multiple users on one account all of that makes it very like i mean i'm sure you could speak to disney plus but like you know netflix recently had this whole story come out of now we're jumping on people that are sharing passwords and there's going to be a fee and i'm like i don't know how you track that but like like disney plus like here in our house we share it with my fiance's cousin so it's like there's like four different names on the one account and it's you know when you watch yours you just go on your own name is there something you guys kind of focus on or, or track when it comes to password sharing and all this stuff? Is that a big trend you guys talk about with when it comes to users? Because I'm sure that not not at Disney Plus, but I think I think what's happened recently with Netflix, where their subscriber growth has sort of stalled out a bit, um, that that has woken up I think a lot of people. Now there's a it just a lot, it's crazy actually how dramatically different internally we're looking at the business in the last six months uh just after after what's what they've gone through but you could sort of imagine if uh if wall street is always demanding that you're growing that you're making more and more money year after year if you're netflix and what they were valued at assumed that they were just going to be growing exponentially because you're you know they they always talk about how there's like a billion households worldwide that have you know connection to internet that they could some or or mobile device that they could somehow access and i want to say they only had like 200 something million subscribers um so they're like the addressable market is huge we're just going to grow forever and then they stall out so they're like okay how do we keep growing well it's either keep raising the price for your existing subscribers we're probably getting sick of it at this point. And uh, unless you continuously have better quality or, or more high quality content, um, you can sort of justify the increase. Um, or what you do is you go, you go look at like, okay, who we know people are password sharing because they can track your IP. They can see where you're watching from. I have, uh, for instance, I have Hulu Live. And because of some of the rights restrictions on like certain sports, if I say take my like Roku where I have Hulu live to if I'm like traveling on vacation and I'm in a different state or a different place for 
just like a week when I log on to Hulu Live, it says, are you not home? Do you want to change <laughs> yeah. your home location? Creepy. Mm. So it knows that you're not there. And the, the reason it does <laughs> that is to just verify that it's not going to send you like the regional sports network sort of rights that you're not supposed to see or whatever it may be. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so I'm pretty sure Netflix can definitely see when w- like one person who's usually sitting there in Los Angeles watching a show and then on the same account, somebody from uh, Pennsylvania is, is watching the same account. They're probably like, wait, that's weird. Uh, so I think just as they see that and they track it, they probably have a good sense of it. Um, I am very curious, though, to see how they actually implement it and how consumers react. Well, it's and it's interesting. I was I had to think uh, I just thought of this for time at Disney Plus. Uh, the fact that there's so many sites and services you can access now. We're talking about like, oh my God, Hulu, uh, Disney, and, um, you know, uh, HBO Max, Paramount Plus, YouTube Premium, uh, you know, Cartoon, Cartoon Minus, you know, there's gonna be all kinds of things, Warner Brothers, Cartoon Minus. I don't know. So, (laughs) but I think it's interesting that how you can access it. You talk about Roku's, there's Chromecast, there's all these smart TVs we can, on our phones, and we can talk more about that. But On our video games. Yeah, uh, I think it's really funny. I just got a new TV for our house, uh, like, last year, and the remotes for the smart TVs have, like, little, uh, sh- the hot keys, the hot buttons, like Netflix stuff, and I saw this one, I had a Disney Plus button, I'm like, pretty bold, Disney, now you're on a button, <laughs> so you better stay around, but they're, right. they're, they're going to stay around forever, because they're just going to buy up all the other ones. Um, <laughs> a byproduct of Netflix. Yeah, we're just, like, consuming everything. But, no, I think that's that's kind of, like, kind of crazy to think that now you have not just the content, but the accessibility. Like you said, you can take a Roku anywhere, but the fact that you can take it on the run, I think that's the biggest thing about having this on a smart device. I don't need to sit at home. I can be on a beach in Barbados, or I could be in the Swiss Alps, or I could be on the subway, you know, just waiting to get to my next stop. And it's right there, which is, I think that's the coolest thing ever. The fact that, you know, having it at your fingertips, obviously the quality is going to be a little different, you know, obviously seeing it in a theater or seeing it on a big, awesome TV with, you know, Bose, you know, product placement, sponsor us, um, or, you know, a smartphone. <laughs> I think it's kind of crazy how accessible things are, but it's not all the way. Cause I've noticed like you can only put Disney plus on certain things. Like, uh, I, I'm like ripping on Disney. <laughs> like, uh, Tim, we told you about this podcast. Um, uh, but I think that'd be kind of like, we, it's starting to branch out more where you can use some of these things, but it's still a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, we're in Disney Plus at this point. I mean, we we launched in November of uh, 2019, and so there's there's a humongous organization within Disney that's just dedicated to going out to every platform where something can possibly be distributed and just doing deals to figure out how it gets on there. And a lot of people may not know that, you know, for like Roku. You have to, you're cutting a deal. They are getting some cut of money for having that hot button, for instance. Um, it's not, it's not like you just get it for free. Um, or there, there's something, there's something that's happening there. Or say, for instance, uh, Apple is really well known for this. Like if you, so I, I think I do it anyway. Um, like HBO Max, um, I have that app through Apple. Um, and so all my billing goes through Apple. Apple gets a cut of that revenue for the HBO subscription. So there's money in it for like what you'd refer to now as like uh, digital distributors. 
And if you if you kind of like step back at a very high level, it's almost no different. It's just the medium has changed. Like cable companies were just middlemen, right? So it was like the studios had networks, they had channels, they had the content, and they just didn't have the technology to distribute widely. That's that wasn't their specialty. So here comes these cable companies. They're like, we can do it for you. Um, so we, they'd agree on sort of like a price per month per subscriber. And then the cable company would go try to sell you these packages, like skinny packages, not as many channels, bigger packages for more money than add on the movies, add on the sports, blah, blah, blah. Your bill could be huge, obviously, at the end of the day. So that's what they did before. And then just as technology advanced, and then you see people like Netflix, who just went directly to subscribers, um, they were still distributing other people's stuff. But then it's almost like a light click, like, oh, instead of the consumer giving X dollars to a cable company, and then we only get a cut of that as a studio, why don't we just develop the technology and go straight to them ourselves? Like a Disney Plus TV or Netflix TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like, for you can just go, like, I, for Disney Plus, like, you can just go on the PC and, like, sign up and, like, nobody gets a cut of that. That's just, we consider that, like, a direct retail subscriber. Um, they're just coming directly to us but some of the things like roku just make it easier because there are so many damn apps at this point to have it all aggregated in one place um but they're they're kind of playing like the new role of the cable company um just it really kind of depends on how it's billed um like it's how your, a, your it's actual a bit of a wild is, west yeah. kind of thing going on because it's not really nothing's really regulated yeah. it's kind of like it's mm -hmm. kind of a grab bag because streaming is still so new and the pandemic has forced, like you said, Disney Plus and all these companies to have to innovate and, you know, kind of, you know, grasping for straws at sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Well, even like, you know, we brought up about the premier access. We had the trend that, uh, I mean, ultimately, from my understanding of uh, dollar bills, uh, wasn't really the, the best, uh, wasn't the best plan. But like we had the whole 2021 year of Warner Brothers putting their movies out for a month on HBO max, as well as with theaters and certain movies definitely needed that because the pandemic still, you know, working and a lot of people were not returning to theaters, but there were certain movies that definitely lost um, potential box office numbers because of that. But for some people, they just were not willing to go to the theater again. So you're now also getting these huge movies being released for a window on the platform and some of that still happens now, but it's a little different trend of like, we'll kind of wait for, you know, we said Disney Plus just had Doctor Strange come out. Doctor Strange has already made $950 million worldwide. So it's made its money. So now they're like, yeah, put it on Disney Plus. It's fine. It, you know, but there's certain movies that definitely I think could have used a little bit more in theater time, but the company's kind of waged that either way. But one thing I remember you telling me, Tim, and I think a lot of consumers don't realize this is why they have these questions of why should I have to pay more for this movie? The movie branch of a company is separate from the streaming branch of a company. Like, yes, it's all the same ultimate media company and people always, you know, with Disney, Disney has all the money in the world. Why can't they spend, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's easier. Well, Very they, they, yeah. that company has to, you know, there's the theater company, the, the, the film distribution company that makes these films costs a lot of money to make. They need to make some money on it somehow. They can't just be like, oh, we made it and we're just going to take a loss and put it on the streaming site. You know, do you guys, is there a way for, I, I've always been curious about this. Is there a way to track 
dollars via streaming oh in terms of the yeah so that it's an interesting question uh so <clears throat> with uh traditional distribution like theaters home home entertainment like blu-ray dvd all that kind of stuff you have direct dollar sort of that you can track for how a movie's doing or how much money you're making um but with streaming obviously the the money you're making is from people buying monthly subscriptions or annual subscriptions or whatever it may be so a lot more of what we focus on is looking at what subscribers are watching in terms of like how many hours of engagement are there um so like how many hours uh stream did dr strange get um how many uh for instance like what percentage of subscribers watch this show uh what's the travelability meaning like does this appeal to an international audience not just a u.s audience so there's all these various metrics that we look at and we've been trying to do all this stuff lately that's it, it has been kind of interesting uh where we try to come up with proxy values for like saying well this amount of hours is equal to this amount of dollars so you could sort of say like if you have a X number of subscribers, like however many million, we have like over a hundred million or something like that. Now, um, you could say they watch those subscribers on average, watch X number of hours of content a week on our service. And that generates this much revenue for us. You could almost sort of back into like a, a value per hour. And then also you can place value on, um, we, a lot of the industry refers to it as like first streams. Um, so that would be like Disney plus has been out now for, you know, about three years. And if you see somebody, the first thing they do is watch like a specific new original, you, you could attribute a little bit more value to that. And like that might, might've been the reason they signed up for the platform in the first place. So there's, there's these ways that we sort of attribute not, it's not real because you don't know for sure. Um, like. If you went to like anybody from Netflix uh, and looked at like what they're watching, it would, it would be like, oh yeah, I definitely been Stranger Things season four, but then I spent like so many hours just watching some other random thing in the background. But the real reason they're probably there is for the things like Stranger Things. It's not just exactly. like a, a vast, that catalog is just there when they're bored. Um, so, so attributing value is kind of, is kind of tricky. And it's not near, it's something that's like, I think evolving quite a bit within the, the streaming world. And even the creative teams that actually make the movies and the TV shows at Disney. Um, and I'm sure it's the same way around the industry. They're so used to like box office, box office receipts and TV ratings that when you explain to them like streaming numbers, it's very confusing for them because it's not, it doesn't make sense. You have to, it's almost like you need a PhD in that business or in it just to understand it. Cause it's all new. It's all brand new concepts, all new, all new metrics to uh, exactly. go by. Exactly. Yeah. But that you see that with Netflix, right? Like Netflix has been quoting like, Oh, like however many streaming hours or how, you know, like of this new movie in the first weekend, one month, 12 weeks, like these are all sort of normal metrics that we, that we look at at Disney. <laughs> yeah. I love how they were like, Stranger Things Volume 1 Season 4 was the most watched program on Netflix history with over 200 something million hours streamed. I'm like, 
Well, when every episode's four hours long, yeah, people are going to be streaming quite quite a while. <laughs> so, um, um, as we uh, we are recording today on the day of uh, of volume two coming out, but um, let's take a quick break because actually, you know, I want to talk more about the actual content itself and how that has also been a big game changer in the industry of streaming. Since the 1990s, streaming media has been all the rage, bringing entertainment directly to homes across the world. With such a variety of options, we've got plenty to choose. But what if our choices could be even greater? The future is bright, and the possibilities are endless. Let's see what's in store. Introducing the new off-brand streaming services. And Apple TV welcomes the new Fruit Salad. You and your whole family can watch all of those great shows and movies through Apple while chowing down on a delicious fruit basket. Farm to table. Yummy! Online shopping and streaming. Oh my! Amazon Prime now comes with Amazon Rainforest. Make it rain with endless options. Watching a show and you want that dress that tone actress wore in that one scene? Need to rock that headgear your favorite superhero was decked out with? It's yours. And from Disney Plus, now comes Disney Multiply. Are you enjoying Marvel, Star Wars, and more? And you don't want to just pick one show? Why not double your entertainment, double your fun? Watch two shows simultaneously in split-screen mode. HBO Max proudly presents HBO Minuscule. Are your viewing options too great? Why not try and downsize your entertainment? Give yourself just a few morsels here and there so you will no longer be overwhelmed. And when CBS All Access went to Paramount Plus, they knew they had to reach the next plateau in multimedia. Presenting Everest. When there's a new peak to climb in entertainment and every show and movie you watch unlocks another and another. It's like a game, but all you gotta do is watch your favorite shows and programs. Keep tuning in and you'll be rewarded and countless others. Act now, and you get in on these epic deals. Are you ready? Let the streaming wars begin. Come, weary traveler. Sit by the fire. You've had a long journey, no doubt. Aye, four long days without rest. The roads are not safe. Not anymore. Not since the Empire. This Empire has not touched our lands yet. Then there is still hope. Pray, what kingdom do you hail from? The kingdom of Blockbusteros. Blockbusteros? Could it be? The prophecy? What prophecy? When night doth come from the nightmare of N, and screams are streamed like a river, seek out a Blockbusteros man. He shall be conned, rewind, and deliver. What nonsense does this man speak? 
Be kind, rewind, and deliver. Deliver what? Ellie's got a point. That sounds like a load of gibberish. The prophecy must mean something. How else can we end the tyranny of Netflixius? So, you hope this foolish prophecy is true. And where will you go, Huluia? You fear to go into those mines. The dwarves delved too greedily and too deep. You know they awoke in the darkness of Primidium. No ads and no rewinding. Wait, did he just say no ads and no rewinding? Yes, yes I did. Wait, guys, come on, not now. What happened to fighting in the prophecy? Dude, this sounds so much easier and convenient. And rewinding took forever in the past. It's clear now. Screw the prophecy. Netflix forever! <laughs> and we're back here on the podcast talking about streaming wars, streaming services, how it's been such a evolution the last 10 years. But I did want to go into, you know, you brought up a good point, Tim, about how we're trying to, you know, measure the metrics of the content. The content itself has actually been, I think, a big reason why people choose or, you know, go to a certain streaming site, whether they keep that long term or just watch for a period because of a show. Yes, we've had a lot of these original movies coming out and Netflix. I mean, it feels like Netflix has an original movie every week. It's like, all right, calm down. But shows have become the biggest like evolution i feel like from the streaming era we went from these shows that came out on you know nbc abc all that stuff 24 full episodes over a season which still have shows that do that but now the new trend of oh now we're doing eight to ten to maybe 14 episodes as a season hour-long episodes, maybe a little longer, and that is a season, and this is now the new format. Um, even, you know, Disney, of course, doing these six-part uh, episodes for a lot of their Marvel, Star Wars, etc. That, I think, has been a huge game-changer, too, of why people tune in. The, the quality of shows has become even better than a lot of films. Uh, you know, like HBO had Game of Thrones, and people were so into that, and, you know, all these shows have been, like, yeah, Stranger Things, of course, is very popular. Disney Plus has had all these Marvel shows. We just had Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was, I think, yeah, their most watched show up to date. So what do you think has been, why do you think that has been a trend now is of, of people be more into that style of storytelling and how the streaming medium can be utilized in a better way than the, the old standard way, which was like, oh my gosh, 24 episodes where at least four of them were filler. You can catch up. Uh, how many seasons? I tell, I tell Chris all the time, like, hey, you got to watch your show. All right, sure. How many seasons? Six. All right, cool. 23 episodes. Uh, no, thank you. It's a it's an interesting question. I think like the very the very nature of the market being flooded with like streaming services because people seeing that's like where the money's at. Everybody's trying to dive in and create enough content that sort of breaks through the noise that people are actually interested enough in their service. Disney obviously sort of has like the ace in the hole. We kind of did the same thing with theaters. You just put out these crazy adventized sort of things. So what, you know, Marvel and Star Wars are like good examples of that. And so really Disney sort of replicating that with streaming. You, when you start seeing shows like 
like something like Game of Thrones, where you really don't have to have that many of them a year to keep people subscribed. And what it also provides you is like, you don't just get like one quick two hour shot at an audience. It's like when you when you make a movie, especially Disney, we invest a ton into individual movies. You're really hoping that that one thing can drive a lot of revenue sources for you. But when you're focusing just on a show, you have more time to sort of like build out and develop character and story to like hook people. And what we often see from the data is like, if you Disney plus does a lot of like week over week releases. So like we don't release the whole series like right at once, like big series, we, you know, drop an episode or a week or something like that. Um, is you really have to hook people on that first episode if you want them to stay around. And we, we have fewer. So it's that like, People could watch the first episode and then there's sort of that like natural like water cooler talk in between episodes where you can sort of discuss it, dive into the episode. And then there's like the counter argument of Netflix where you just have so much content where they just drop everything at once. But sometimes people binge those and then like by the next week, they've forgotten about them. Um, so I, I think the I think it engages the consumer base more by having more episodes um, and you're more likely to keep them on the service by having more to offer them that they like. Um, so giving them more hours of content is essentially the answer. More hours is better than less hours. And films are just naturally expensive. So it's really tough to make a cheap film. Um, but you can make a cheap series. Yeah, that's, that's true. I don't know why, true. But and and it's noticeable too. It's noticeable. <laughs> yeah. But you bring up a good point. The fact that I've noticed now pilots are getting back to being better where i think when when shows traditional television cable or satellite you had these sitcoms and stuff like that they had the pilot you had to wow them in the pilot but i noticed earlier shows the pilot wasn't always great going back and watching these old shows like you know to think one of our favorite shows is seinfeld the pilot's okay but it's not to what what it would become and i think now they know there's a stake like we've got to hook people in right away if i'm not hooked and i've had chris He's, you know, his track record's better recruiting me for shows than I am of him. I'm working on it. But I'm like, if I don't, and like, Chris is like less patience. Eh, I'm not feeling it. So if he's not feeling it, like, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, damn, I missed Mark. So shows are getting better at hooking you in the first episodes. And then we've noticed, like we said with Obi-Wan, uh, the boys on Amazon, all these stuff, um, they like release the first two, the first three episodes. So like, okay, the pilot's all right, let's put them together because there's a lot more in that bit. We want you to like, okay, we're going to do this now. And this brings up another thing where shows are being released all at once, which Netflix is doing quite often still, um, or where Prime and like Disney Plus, it's like, here's a couple episodes and then you got to wait. So at least you're not waiting for the commercials, but at least it gives you something to like, there's that double-edged sword of like, oh, I want to binge all at once. And then like my eyes switching because I stayed up till four in the morning. Or I'm like, okay, I got a week, cool, watch that, and then I can, or I can wait and still binge them all together. So I think that's kind of that's kind of changed the medium so much where they worked. Which I don't know about you guys. Some shows I want to binge right away, and some I'm like, I'm glad I can, you know, do that. But some shows I think are made to be binged. You need mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's certain shows that uh, it's like yeah, you can't wait to. Like you just gotta watch the next so next episode. Like Stranger Things to me is definitely one that is it was hard to want to like spread out. Um, and you know the Duffer Brothers have been saying that Volume Two really was a, a product of not not a it wasn't some kind of money thing. It was 
they had not finished episodes eight and nine. So they actually were like, Netflix, we need to split this up. But, you know, just a few months ago, we had Ozark final season on Netflix and they did seven episodes and seven episodes. Now, some of this I, I kind of contribute to, you know, we, we talked about how Ozark is very much like a Breaking Bad and Breaking Bad did the same thing with their final season. They did seven episodes, took like a year and then did the final seven episodes. So that was a long wait for what was really one long season. But I think Netflix is trying to be like, oh, we kind of have to do this. Otherwise, you know, people could go over to someone's house that just has a streaming site, binge the whole thing, and they've never actually paid for it. I think there's a little bit of growth there. We're trying to be like, maybe if we try some new things, we see like clearly Stranger Things is, is like their most popular show. So people are going to tune in no matter what. And people are, I'm sure it's going to be a, a lot of, uh, a lot of streaming for them this weekend with the, the, the last set of season four. But I do kind of like the one episode a week because it, it does feel like it's not that long. Like before you know it, the next episode is there. And yeah, some episodes are better than others, but it does have that chit chat where maybe people aren't, maybe people don't have the streaming site and they're like, oh, maybe I should get this because some shows are definitely rewatchable. Some aren't, uh, you know, like I would say I would rewatch Mandalorian like any day. I don't necessarily need to watch Book of Boba Fett again. You know, it's like there's certain shows where you're like, I saw it, <laughs> don't need to see it again. Uh, but that's like for every streaming site. I think there's everyone has there's there's the ace shows and then the, you know, there are these B, C, D shows that sometimes you check it out. Maybe you don't finish it, get through it. But I think that is kind of the beauty of these content, is these these streaming services, that there is so many shows. So like there's going to be something for you, regardless of what your taste is in genre, in whether you like comedy, drama, et cetera. Some things are just going to click, some don't. Um, and that is kind of the beauty of you. You can like, oh, I'll check that out. All right, it wasn't for me. Got you know, twenty minutes through and didn't really uh, click for me. I'll try something else. And there's always something to watch. It's it's rare that you're gonna. I really do think it's rare that someone's gonna go through all these you know streaming services and be like, didn't like any of it. I'm like, then you have no taste. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. A, you're actually not a human if that's how you how you feel. Uh, but I, I think like so much too is as much as people maybe um uh, you know imagine that these streaming services think try to think like oh what's the best experience for our consumers you know i i think about it from like netflix's point of view and because they have so much um at least for the longest time they were probably thinking like oh well, we can we can just have everything be binged because there'll be something for them to watch right after they finish whereas for disney plus where we were like lower volume trying trying to aim for a higher quality the worry was like okay if we have if we allow Obi-Wan to binge, will the Star Wars fan sign up for one month, binge it, and then walk away? Whereas if we have it air over time, they're committing for at least two months, probably. Two to three months, depending on the series. And I bet now with things changing for Netflix, with their growth sort of stalling out and their stock price catered, like cratering like a lot of the, a lot of the market has recently, they were probably like Duffer Brothers we need a show and we need it that month now because we need to ensure quarter over quarter growth of subscribers. So we get that you need more time, but we're just going to come up with something creative because we, we need something, we need a big thing and we need it now. And I, I think that's probably the real reason they like didn't just wait oh, and to, to drop sure. it all. Well, that's, right? and, it's, and that's like a lot of the shows on Netflix, especially um, I mean, Ozark, you said, now, Stranger Things before that was like Lucifer, which I mean, talk about 
talk about another fun thing is like with a lot of these streaming services with the power of two things that are huge about it is you've got the TV ratings, which is still a big thing. You got Nielsen that's, you know, you can look at the article. Like think about one, um, these limited, and, and that's another thing, we, like I would talk forever, but limited series, these limited series things are great because it's like, oh, it's just a one and done thing. So you're like, I can watch that quick. But then it's like, think about Queen's Gambit was like the hugest thing, like the biggest numbers. So good. Um, but I think that's interesting where then now a lot of streaming services are buying or saving shows. Because like Lucifer was on Fox, canceled three seasons, and, and Chris ever got him into it. Ending season three, you'd be like, yeah, I would have been so mad to like, you leave it on that note. Um, and then they were like, oh, we, we bought this show. Or, and a lot of these shows are coming to these streaming sites. I think that's great, but it is a it is a smart tactic where you can actually I like it. Obviously, it's a money thing, a big part of it. But when you can elongate and like, okay, that's fourteen episodes, we'll split it seven and seven. I'm like, cool. Well, then it's like, it's like the show never ends. Almost like it's an extra season. But I I think that's interesting that how social media has saved that a lot. Where like people are like campaigning, like keep the show, and like because how can you really tell how popular it is until you see this huge demand? It's very different. Exactly. And that I think what I, I've seen a bit of, of that recently, which is, you know, a certain show, depending on the people, you got to step back and imagine who are the people still actually watching like network broadcast TV compared to streaming. It's definitely not like folks our age or younger. Like we've all moved primarily to the, the digital world. If we're watching broadcasts, it's probably like, oh, you're watching like a sporting event or something or some yeah. other live thing. Or they're getting the antenna, which you buy a digital antenna for 40 bucks, you get free channels. So then you could- Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, fun fact <laughs> for you and your family. I found this out and through my research and through for work that I've done, because we set streaming services becoming the number one thing that more people are moving to because of the pandemic and the price and exclusivity of what you have. But now you can get a digital antenna and plug in your TV or you can move around spend like 40 bucks at walmart now you have look you have like like a handful of local channels that you can get and then so you don't have to pay every month so i noticed a trend that a lot more people are doing antenna and streaming mm, that makes sense and what they what they'll they'll find is like say that example of like lucifer so what that arrangement was is whoever was making lucifer for fox um i actually don't know who was the one who produced it fox is probably licensing that i'd, I'd assume and uh they're airing it on Fox broadcast channel and then they're licensing it from for some dollar amount for the first streaming window to Netflix. Netflix doesn't have to give them data on who's watching it. So what Netflix may know is like, holy shit, we're getting a great deal here. We're paying like this much. And they have no idea that Lucifer is like extremely successful on our service. Like it gets a ton of engagement and Fox doesn't know that. So when they are like, oh, it's not doing well for us and their primary you know, source of revenue is like ads on, on uh, broadcast, they're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do something else and then like fill a slot with something we think could be successful for us. And then Netflix just really quickly crunches the numbers and they're like, well, we were getting a great deal. This title was, the term we use for it is like very efficient and that it's like value in terms of streaming was much higher versus its actual cost. So it's like an easy, easy thing for them to be like, well, we have this data that they didn't know about that tells us this would be super successful. So sure, we'll take we'll take that series. We'll do another <laughs> season. We'll keep going. I think they've done that a couple times. Um, at this point now, I can't remember the other shows, but that's like a pretty common thing. The quality, the quality of storytelling, and and we just notice a shift from 
because Chris and I, that was a show we kind of got in together, and it was like one of the things we shared. Where well, was the season really... three like twenty episodes, or it was like oh yeah, well it started first season thirteen episodes, season two we're giving sixteen, next one was like that. that was way too long. That's t- that's very typical for podcasts. It's very typical to have like super long seasons. Right down to ten episodes, you know, a season. Uh, although season five was like a they did like a two-parter thing and then season six ended it but like the quality got way better when it went to netflix the just better storytelling better action you know kept a lot of the intent better budget it's and it's it's also probably the the restrictions on like content that you broadcast on a network is subject to like very intense restrictions that's true Um, true. like a, a random one that i i recall maybe not i might be paraphrasing this but like you weren't you weren't allowed to show like any human butt. Like you couldn't show a human butt, but you could show like the side of their butt. Like you couldn't show the full butt, but the half of the butt. Well, like the oh, you see, you see was, Lucifer, like, how it was. You see Lucifer, his butt on they, the show. They, they relished that fact. Like the, yeah. the ad campaign it was like, oh, you're gonna see more of me. And then it was like commercial, and you see him walk away, and it's like, oh, male butt. And then they're dropping like an f bomb, and then I was like, wait, did they just say that? And it was like, that was the fun thing is you're just, you brought up a great thing is now we just open up the floodgates. And it is very interesting because what Disney's done with all the, the you know, Netflix that, you know, bu- buying the, you know, Daredevil series and all that and having all those now, you have this new restriction like, ooh, because it's a little more edgy, you have to have a code for certain. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to do a little password for my age restriction. <laughs> it's so weird. And we, had, that, that had been set up for international. So you know how like, Disney Plus in the U.S. or uh, the Disney streaming services in the U.S. We have Disney Plus, which is like generally branded, more family focused. And then there's Hulu, which is more adult focused. A lot of the content that would go on Hulu in the U.S. is on Disney Plus International under like a, a its own brand tile called Star. Star. Yeah, they yeah. have so that, like they have like those, 24, like show 24 on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. the UK so is like, those, oh, I'm watching this here. I'm like, what? I'm looking yeah. on Disney Plus. Darn it. Yeah. So all those all those parental rights that they've they've put in because of those Netflix series coming back in the US like we're already there internationally and so there's now more of a shift like i think in the US that there probably will be more mature stuff coming and we always joke about like where does the where are you where is the line cross because like a huge title for us is Avengers Endgame and they like literally cut Thanos's head off uh but because it's a fantasy character it's not as big of a deal. If you cut like a normal human's head off, then obviously coming not- 2025, Quentin Tarantino directs Bambi. <laughs> uh, can't wait. <laughs> um, well, actually, that, you, you kind of bring up to a good point about how like, yeah, certain shows and movies kind of get a second life via streaming that maybe didn't have as great a life in theaters. One I just was listening to a podcast about and it, it, it's true is and I think a big part of it too is social media, how people are posting thoughts, uh, clips, they're doing memes, all this stuff, you know, on especially TikTok. Encanto came out, didn't actually have the best box office numbers for what typically a Disney movie could get, but then it became this huge beast on Disney Plus, constantly being watched, and the, how that became like a huge it had more of an impact after the theater also- run. On top of that, not to interrupt you, but just to throw out there, I love how they had like sing-along versions. So a lot of Disney stuff, which we talk about our childhood, we all share this, like the VHS, the tapes, oh, yeah. Disney sing-along. So it was always cool, a little bouncing ball. And so now a lot of these 
shows like that, these musicals, you can have the the subtitles with that, where you couldn't have that necessarily in theater. So talk about family friendly, it adds more of that, you know, focus to young children and families. I was gonna say another example was like uh like the Snyder cut of Justice League, where we all saw that film in theaters. God, it was bad. And then th- that exclusive, like if you have HBO Max, you can watch the four hour much better cut by Zack Snyder. And that was, you know, this exclusive only if you have HBO Max can you watch that. So I think that we are seeing a trend too of some things that maybe don't work as well where they're originally put a, a new second life found on on a streaming site. And we're the you know the the three of us here on this call we're we're the uh we're definitely the minority when it comes to how people engage with with content. Um when you actually think of the theatrical business that that is really a niche or minority market of people going to those shows. It just costs so much that when you see these big box office numbers, it seems like a lot of people, but there's way more people watching on streaming. And so you have a lot of like males, 18 to sort of 40, who primarily the ones going to theaters. So that's where you see like the Spider-Man, No Way Homes, the Doctor Strange, the Top Guns, like all that stuff does like incredibly well. Um, but you know, at that point when Encanto came out, I want to say it only did like mid 200 million, uh, I want to say like global box office, which is very, very low for like a Disney or Pixar animated thing. Um, but kids weren't allowed to get vaccinations yet. Um, so, and, and there was also like a surge around that time, I believe with COVID, but man, oh man, did that thing perform when it hit the service? Like it's, it's still performing like ridiculously well we, we refer to it as like the gift that keeps on giving um it, it's mind-blowing how many people are, have have watched Encanto on Disney plus it's almost like people decided not to go to theaters and just said like no I'm just gonna wait till I'm just gonna out. watch it at home yeah, it's been a um, lot of things the fact that how stuff's quickly going and talking about our generation you see it moving theaters god you had to wait forever for that thing to come out on home media and now it's like movie comes out theaters oh it's like big movie coming this july oh my gosh it's end of july it's now on streaming it's like whoa where did that go i do yeah i do love that the new window of like like the batman for example i of course was gonna see that in theaters regardless because it just you know that's right up our alley but i love that like a month and a half later i could watch it at home so i was like oh i watched in theaters really enjoyed it oh it's out you know just like dr strange saw it opening weekend loved it Oh, now it's on, you know, I can now just watch it at home if I want to re- revisit it. And I think that's, I love that new trend of still give me the theatrical window because I do want to see it in a theater, but now I can see it at home quicker than, yeah, it used to, it used to be, yeah. I remember the days of like, oh, movie came out and sometimes it'd be like six months to sometimes up to a year before you'd see it on DVD. It was like, come on already. And a lot of that was like, it, it comes down to like how much money the studio can make. So if you rewind you know, like 10, 15 years ago, you'd have a movie out in theaters for usually three to four months. Um, That was sort of like its exclusive window. And it'd make a decent, you know, usually it's the first month is where most of that money is made, right? First weekend sort of determines everything. And sometimes something has legs, sometimes it doesn't. But then there was this like next three months where it was home video sales. And that was like all the all the rage. We made so much money back when like Blu-ray and DVD was a thing. And in fact, a lot of people don't know that like our current CEO of all of Disney like ran that business when he like was initially at Disney back in like the 
I want to say like the nineties and the early aughts and all that kind of stuff. But that was when we were making Disney like a vault. ton. I love exactly that. coming like out of the, the Disney vault. vault. Yeah. The diamond edition, the platinum, the you yeah, know, exactly. lava edition, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually worked on that stuff. Like when I was at studio distribution, oh, it was always funny to see for, what the new hold us hostage for Aladdin. You know? Yeah. Well, we, I, I, I played a heavy hand in, uh, destroying what is known as the vault uh with disney plus we were like screw the vault the vault's dumb the vault's uh, dead yeah but we that so when as the home entertainment market has declined over time the streaming window has just creeped forward and it's now to the point where it's like what you get is you get this benefit of by quickly following the theatrical window consumers still see all the marketing for it being in theaters and they're like, oh, this is a big deal, whatever it is. So if, even if they decide not to go see it in theaters, they're probably likely aware of it and they know it's a big deal. And so when it, it gets to streaming on a fast follow, they'll go watch it there. And then the fanboys like us have like immediately get it. And we're happy and you know we can watch as many times as we want. Well, and the great thing that I've seen with Disney has done uh, on the streaming service and all these other things that I think is a really great thing is that they're adding these behind the scenes these documentary things that normally i would like okay well this is just to wet your beak until a thing like what they do with lightyear like oh the journey from buzz to lightyear so like stuff like that i think that's really great because i think i speak for myself but I, I also chris occasionally and maybe you tim now but i love the behind the scenes stuff i i can't get enough oh, i love content. it yeah so i for me like i want to see the documentary i mean we had bubba fett and we had mandalorian they had this whole thing about the character bubba fett it was a um boba fett i can't speak uh but he had like it was like a not even long it was maybe like less than an hour documentary but it was so cool so that's another thing that i love and the fact that you know with national geographic and, and discovery what they've been doing i think it's beautiful that you can do that without having to do a youtube binge and have to go through ads i'm like no i just want to see this documentary watch at my leisure it's great yeah we love this thing called companion programming um the idea of you put out something, especially usually it's big on, on the service, and then you try to find some way to make some sort of low-cost companion programming or something like that, that if that person is there just for that one thing, that when they end that show, they have some other thing to watch to sort of keep them around. And so when you when you think of like docu-series behind the scenes stuff, that's actually rather cheap to just put like a crew on the set. And at Disney, especially where we always have the same, like Lucasfilm is always making stuff. Marvel is always making stuff. It's just like standard. They have departments that all they do is just record follow the, the shows stuff, and record. Yeah, Cause like... then you can, you make like really cheap stuff that you get like a couple hours of extra content um, for, for the folks that are interested, of course. Well, it's so better than the DVDs when you had nothing on there, but I mean, like Obi-Wan mm -hmm. comes out and then like, Oh, hello there documentary, you know, something like that. Like, <laughs> You know, uh, and like I just say, well, yeah, especially when, a, you know, an episode ends and then, you know, if it's the last episode, it'll go straight to you have six options of here's another Star Wars show. Here's another Star Wars show. Here's maybe a Marvel show that's similar. The Guardians of the Galaxy might pop up. Oh, here's the behind the scenes. So you're like, oh, you're just if you're just, you know, binging, you're not even like You'll thinking you're like, oh, longer put something else on. And it does it for you, which and even like they were doing like with Paramount Plus, the offer. Amazing show they had like behind the scenes after every episode. So like, you're already there, stick around. And then it's like, hear from the horse's mouth, a little bit more behind the scenes. Yeah. And I remember Game of Thrones did that. And as they got into like the last season, it, you'd be with the creators. They were like talking about the things they were doing. You're like, are you guys, you guys are nuts. You guys are insane. 
for changing this show and, and driving it into the ground. <laughs> Speak, yeah, I, I just want to I'll bring up one quick memory before we go on to our last uh, main topic here for the episode. I watched the Game of Thrones finale with Tim and our other brother, Alex. We were at Tim's place other, and Alex's we watched the finale. Yeah, Alex does exist. Uh, we watched the finale and we sat there in silence for the entire episode. And when the episode ended and we sat there in silence for like a minute. And then we just were like, that was do- like dog shit. That was so bad. <laughs> I, just, I can see your we eyes so like blinking like. But then to turn it around, we went and saw John Wick 3 and that made up for the night because that was awesome. Yeah, what a, what a concept. <laughs> what a concept of just being like, with John Wick especially, of uh, just make, when you're going to sell a show as something, just deliver what you're, you're advertising. It's like John Wick, it's Keanu Reeves shooting guns and looking cool. We showed up to the movie theaters and it was that. It was exactly and it was awesome. that. <laughs> uh, last thing I wanted to kind of talk about here before we get, uh, wrap up the episode is now we're seeing this trend too. With, you know, we have, you have so many streaming services and kind of what the future is going to be moving forward. But like, you know, we had the big uh, Discovery Warner Brothers merger this year. And, you know, obviously, yes, in the past, Disney bought Marvel, uh, Lucasfilm. And yeah, we joke all the time that eventually Disney's just going to own every company. Don't really think that's going to be the case. But, you know, we are seeing now a trend, too, of maybe certain factions kind of joining forces or giving up that. And now, you know, like CBS, there's still a CBS app. But that's now really a lot of their content is now on Paramount Plus, who is the like father, you know, the ultimate company. So it's like people are like, why do I pay for CBS? Everything's on Paramount Plus now. Do you think there's going to be a future trend of companies merging more or uh, uh, still a variety of maybe even more new streaming services coming up? And what do you think the future ultimately is going to be? I I do agree with you. I think we're going to eventually see uh, uh, cut the cord completely and just have all streaming services. But do you think there's going to be a trend of more big companies buying each other to kind of have, you know, now we own six streaming services. And so we're just going to combine it into one ultimate, you know, service. Or how do you, how do you think the trend's going to be in the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years moving forward? Yeah, I think you'll, we'll continue to see like consolidation. Um, the, the, the stuff, re- the, re- the reality is with all these competitors flooding the market because they see the value here long term, uh, at least in media, is then you, you also see people like Apple and Amazon that were just distributors before jumping into the game, making content. Imagine for them, like they don't own libraries. Like, so there's other companies out there that they could go just buy them. Like they have so much money. They could, Apple has so much money, they could buy Disney like that. Like if they really wanted to, but I for them they probably wouldn't want to deal with theme parks, conserve all that kind of stuff is probably not their not their bag. But the um, iPod ride, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, uh, this place is so bright. <laughs> yeah, why does every ride every I went ride to the Genius the Bar and I got a drink and a help on my iPod. I want to see the Steve Jobs animatronic, <laughs> like Abe Lincoln. Continue like t- tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the uh, yeah, so the. I think I think what you'll see is that it's going to prove that there's too many streaming services and that certain streaming services has too much niche stuff. There may still be like a lot of like a la carte options, but I could see a lot of those a la carte options being like very unique. Like the things like, um, for instance, uh, I think it's called Crunchyroll, which is like all focused on anime. That is so niche that it makes sense to kind of maybe have its own premium offering. Or maybe that becomes like a premium add-on within a larger streaming service. 
Um, but I, I think there's gonna, there's definitely gonna be some winners and losers here. So it's not shocking at all that Warner Brothers or Warner Media and Discovery came together. Warner Media is like the biggest producer of TV content in the industry. So they have a huge library already. They're making a lot of originals. And then you you combine all this sort of like unscripted stuff coming with Discovery. It makes them sort of like a superpower in that sense. But I I really don't see how like we could continue with this many going forward at a certain point, especially as people continue to raise prices. I think consumers will be like, I just need Netflix, Disney Plus and HBO Max and that's it. Um, I think they're going to choose. I think the research sort of says in general that the average household thinks anything more than three streaming services is too much. So at a certain point, it's going to, it's going to hit a wall. I well, think. it's just, it's just, or just bundling. Like you see these things with, you know, okay, you have get Hulu, ESPN, Disney plus, you know, that's what the cable companies are doing. But because as those are dying off, it would be just better, just a bundle pack. Like they just, they don't need to do combine one streaming service. But again, because of access, it would be better on one app. I don't have to like exit out of the app because we as human beings are attention spans and laziness have have made it even you know we're just i have to go back and uh just just play it now play play show now but i mean that's also the thing too is certain shows that are very popular right now there's always going to be a new popular show but all these shows are not going to last forever they're going to eventually die off because we're kind of seeing that trend too of shows are only supposed to run two, three, maybe five seasons tops. We're not seeing a lot of these shows go 10 seasons anymore. And some people are like, oh, that show's over. I don't really need to rewatch it. I'm cutting that that service. So it is going to be interesting to see where we go moving forward. But I think, yeah, right now it does seem like we're all in this boat of, especially if you like a lot of shows and like a variety, you have either six to eight to 10 different bills a month or you're sharing with different people and kind of, you know, I mean, obviously we're doing this podcast, so we like to try to watch as much stuff as possible. So we, we, me and Taylor share a few things and then I have, you know, like certain things with family there and it's, it's, you just gotta, you know, it's, it's interesting, but uh, I think we're going to see a, a continued trend of uh, great content being put out on streaming services, but it is going to be a question of, are you continually willing to pay for those content? Yeah. It's like definitely in a, an enjoy it while you can situation. So you know, with Netflix, with the them stalling out on their subscribers, it's been publicized heavily. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be putting out as much content as they have been. I think they're going to probably focus that volume into like higher quality shows. I, I don't think the market or the overall industry can sustain itself in investing in this much content forever. Um, so I, I do think like we're, we as consumers are enjoying the period of like, everybody investing so much money to try to get us as they're growing as a streaming service. So they're just like clawing at everything with all the money they have to get as like hungry hippos. Imagine hungry hippos and subscribers are like the little balls. So they're like just trying to get everybody as much as they can. So they're spending more to do that. But I think as they sort of plateau in their growth, they're not going to be able to continue to spend that much money. So we should just enjoy it. Still waiting for the Hungry Hippos, the movie. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, it's coming. It's going to be a horror film. Well, Tim, uh, you know, we've, we could, again, we could talk for hours because it's such an interesting topic. But we do thank you for coming on the podcast today, talking about streaming and your expertise in the field. But we can't let you go yet 
We do have some guest questions here. Uh, these are just questions based on you. No math involved. Uh, although you're really good at math. Uh, but uh, so I'll start us off. What is your favorite movie? Top, top. Well, Lord of the Rings. Like it's even hard to decide. Lord of the Rings. Bros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your favorite TV series? My favorite TV series. Um, I was absolutely blown away by the first season of True Detective. Oh, it was so a great good. one because yeah. that I feel like that marked the first time that like big, well-known movie actors were coming into drama TV space and just making something so high quality. It didn't need to be like CGI, crazy amount of action. So well written, so tense, amazing act, like acting. And I say all I say all that just because that kind of blew my mind and it made me like more hooked to HBO um, at the time. But and then more recently, like Loki, just I was there actually at midnight. I do not stay up for that stuff, but like at midnight, I was there for Loki. I absolutely loved it. Wife's like, come back to bed. Like, not yet. No, uh, no. Amy just goes. Amy goes to sleep at like nine. She's like, I don't yeah. care about you. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Um, what is a favorite video game or video game series? Uh, God of War. No hesitation. My The most recent God of War came out the uh, just a couple months after my son was born. And the storyline being about like him kind of having to deal with being like a, a father and not feeling ready for it and just sort of having to mature as a character. I was like emotionally moved by God of War, which I was used to just like, you know, tearing people limb from limb and that it actually had <laughs> and like then a I became story. a dad and I retired <laughs> yeah. that. Uh... Yeah. So it's uh yeah, absolutely love that. Or close second would probably be like, um, I would say like super smash brothers. Well, Tim, we're going to, I'm going to get your gamer tag. Cause we're going to play on the switch if you have it. Um, <laughs> what is a favorite um, artist or favorite, you know, style of music yours? Uh, uh, I have actually a pretty wide taste in music, but, I'd say uh, EDM is probably like my favorite, which I actually credit to our ghost brother, Alex, for um, getting me into. Uh, but I, I, it all sort of stems from loving like rock and roll. Like I think EDM is just like a more hyper version of rock and roll. I could see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd probably say EDM. Uh, what is the favorite place you've traveled to? I think one of my favorite cities in the world is Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, Amy and I went there for... Our honeymoon we went to ireland and scotland and edinburgh felt like stepping into like a fantasy novel like i felt like i was in medieval times all of a sudden and like all the gothic sort of like spires and cool looking castles and it all just felt very harry potter and then it wasn't until i was there i realized like that's literally where jk rowling like wrote harry potter and where she was like and she was inspired by a lot of how it looked and that made like a lot of sense it was just it was beautiful and then also Amy and I saw cats uh, <laughs> while, while we were drunk. <laughs> so it just as fun. Not, fun the, we, we have to say, not the movie. They once saw the actual musical. The musical. Cats, which is much and better than that. I would say you probably had to be drunk to see the movie. Yeah. Well, what's cool is I, I don't think this is a thing here in the States, but they sold like pre-packed, like it was weird, like pre, almost looked like, uh, you know, like applesauce containers, but of, of wine. And so you could buy as many as you wanted and you just went to your seat. So imagine us being like wine drunk, watching cats. Calico cats. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was crazy. I don't even like cats, but it was, I was drunk. Was uh, that's great. <laughs> what, um, what is something that inspires you or has inspired you to be where you are today? My, my job is, is, can be very, very intense, but 
I absolutely love content. I think um, for me, it's more about like, I live a very privileged life and the things you can experience through watching movies and television transports you to like a different perspective, a different way of living, experiencing different emotions you wouldn't normally experience on a day-to-day -day basis. So I, I, I love that stuff. So I, I feel like I'm much better at my job because I'm actually very engaged with what we produce and all that kind of stuff. So I love doing that, but more than anything, my motivation is my wife and my son. Like I just love hanging out with them. I like take Griffin to Disneyland all the time and that like brings me like the most joy. So I think that's my biggest motivation. What's the best advice you've received or a piece of advice that you really, uh, you know, love? I'm trying to remember like early, early days in my career, like what some of my mentors like taught me, but I, I really think like whenever anybody asks you, like, what do you, what do you want to be doing in five years? What do you want to be doing in 10 years? Like whatever your answer is, it should have something to do with being happy. Like it, you shouldn't be just like, oh, I want to be in my mind, I, like that answer is never like, oh, I want to be successful or I want to, I want to be doing this thing. Like, I always just think to myself, like, what can I do to be happier? Like, why, how do I prioritize that? Cause like, isn't that what the point of life is to like, try to enjoy it, be happy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Aim for happiness, maybe. Uh, obviously, you know, we are, you know, a trio of nerds here and this is a nerdy podcast and uh, you've listened to everything since day one. So we appreciate that. Um, <laughs> What is your nerd level on a scale of one to 10? Is it one being uh, not at all or 10 being you're the most extreme nerd? I see nerdy posts on your wall, but that's just because you work for Disney Plus. So who knows? Maybe just you. Uh, like I I'd maybe put myself squarely at a seven. Like I don't have a I don't have the time to be an eight, nine or a 10. But yeah, if I had the time, <laughs> I would be like a, t a 10. A lot of put it this way, a lot of like. Anytime like a new Marvel movie is announced internally or a series, everybody comes to me to ask me what it is. <laughs> so they'll be like, what is that one about, Tim? Uh, like, I don't, I'm sure you guys have seen it publicized, but there's going to be this like uh, Marvel Halloween special this year. Um, that's like, uh, it's like focused on the werewolf by night sort of. Uh, so everybody it would come up in calls and somebody would be like, what is that one, Tim? Can you explain it? Uh, it often all have read the comics before they announce something. So like I was very excited when they announced Guardians of the Galaxy as a movie franchise, because when I first started reading Marvel Unlimited, that was like one of the few comics that actually like drew me in and I was like obsessed with it. So when they announced they were making it, I was like thrilled. That's, that's I'd say I'm like in there. I'm not like a, like I'm going to dispute the, like the, uh, what this one little thing looks like in the corner of a star Wars series. Like, I, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, but, it's not, um, that's not that color. It's this one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's, I'd say it's high seven. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, what is a, what is a guilty pleasure of yours? Ice cream, uh, <laughs> a guilty pleasure of mine, uh, is, I haven't been watching it as much lately, but uh, like the Bachelor franchise, Amy and I like love the Bachelor franchise. I get like a lot of shit. <laughs> I think this is a trend. We, uh, we, uh, I think you and I both uh, could agree that um, our 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 ladies have uh, gone us into some good what I call trash TV 
And I like the other day, <laughs> I remember being like, uh, babe, is a uh, is Love Island coming back? And she was like, Yeah, coming back in July. And I was like, New season of Married at First Sight. I'm like, watch all these shows, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Stranger Things two is coming out. And I'm like, Yeah, that's fine. When's the next episode of that? You know, it's just uh, Real Housewives, all that stuff. Um, it's 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 fun to watch. I get I get the hype now. Sucks you right in. Tractor beam. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, our final question is: uh, Chris is very adept at this, so I got to test the the brothers doer. Give us your best impression. What is your best impression that you can do? You got to have at least one. Have I? Do you do you recall from our childhood? Did I ever do impressions of anything? I mean, I, I, we definitely quoted movies and stuff like Austin Powers and uh, you know Jim Carrey was a big influence. Of course, we loved. Oh, stuff. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Here we go. Okay, um, wait, it's clear now. We go to the bear pit. <laughs> It's clear now. We go to the bear pit. Anchorman, great movie. We would quote that dumb line so much. We, you know, what's actually funny about Anchorman? I feel like we went and saw it. I think it was you, me, our brother Alex, and Dad went and saw it. Mom did not come. I think we liked the movie, but I don't think we really got the movie until we watched it many times after. And then we would quote that movie all the time. But that was like I remember, you know we went and saw Step Brothers, and that was right after seeing what's the basketball movie that Will Ferrell did semi-pro. that was semi-pro didn't really like semi-pro I remember going in with very low expectations and Step Brothers by far is our favorite Will Ferrell movie of all time like nothing's topped it that movie speaks to us and I think you guys so did ways. you guys do like your own Step Brothers photo shoot we did yeah we did <laughs> one year for Father's Day we did our own uh had a friend come over and take photos of us and then we yeah we did all Step Brothers inspired photo shoot yeah because once I once I started making any type of money when I was younger um I would buy eccentric gifts for uh Chris and Alex at Christmas so one year I bought them both swords. Um, and so we, I think one of those swords is what we used for the photo shoot. Yeah. Alex got a, you got him a, like a, a katana, essentially like a, like a samurai sword kind of thing. And, and, uh, which is very similar to what, you know, he has, uh, Randy's, uh, signature on in the movie. Yeah, so right. anyway, yeah. you should have seen our, our dad's disappointment when, <laughs> when he saw the gift, he was like, great, great, Tim, this is what you got. I'm like, yes. And it's very cool. Yeah, Dad, we love swords. Um, no, he 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 probably <laughs> was up, jealous. Dad. <laughs> yeah, he probably was jealous. He didn't get a sword. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, thanks, thank you, brother Tim, for uh, being on the podcast today. If people want to follow you on social media, where would they uh, follow you? If you want to give that out, well, uh, my Instagram handle is at Tim Doer. It's literally just my name because there's not any other Tim Doers, I guess. <laughs> And that's there you it. Go. <laughs> you can or go you can on there to... me on LinkedIn if you really care. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Just Tim Doer. LinkedIn. We can get LinkedIn. We're getting professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our first LinkedIn connection on the podcast. We're for Disney Plus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you, Tim, for being on the podcast today, talking about streaming. Uh, very exciting stuff. Excited to see yeah, the future of the streaming services here in the world of media and content. But uh, Until next time, this was another edition of the Potential Podcast. You'll have to stay tuned for the next episode in three, two. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast 
or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.